Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's Friday, November 17, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show start to finish once we're done here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a wonderful Friday. We got combat sports coming up this weekend. We got Bellator 301, possibly the final Bellator event ever under this regime. Actually, that probably will be the final Bellator event under this regime. Maybe the final Bellator event ever in general. And it's a damn good card. So I hope you guys will, will check it out, at least for the, for the fighters' sake. And then we have UFC Vegas 82 tomorrow. Not a great card. Not even really a very good card. Interesting main event that should be fun. But other than that, not a, a lot to love. But... One thing I do love, early start time, 2 p.m. Eastern for the prelims. And that is always good. That is always a good thing. So we can talk about those things. We can talk about whatever you want. It is a free-for-all Friday. And as we typically do on Fridays, if you are someone who is not on the show that often or are new, uh, you guys get first dibs. So if you have not asked a question on the show or – if someone doesn't ask a lot of questions on the show, you guys get to jump to the front of the line. That's how we're going to roll here. So, Henry, uh, you will begin things. What's up? How are you doing? Heck of a morning. What's up, man? Yeah, man. Um, I just want to start seeing this as a free-for-all Friday. I want to start on the uh, the, the Riyadh season card uh, that was announced for December because yesterday, I just got done listening to yesterday's episode, and I feel like Toke um, kind of undersold the card a bit, to be honest. Um I'm like a former boxing hardcore fan that kind of fell out of love with the sport. And I, I balanced between being a hardcore MMA and a hardcore boxing fan, but I went all the way with MMA. And like, this card is crazy. Like, it, if I put it into these terms, like Wilder and Joshua, seeing them up there, even though they're not fighting each other, like these are super competitive fights. Like Valine is a really hard fight for Joshua. And the Dubois fight is, uh, as Toke mentioned, that's not a gimme. Like the, uh, the Miller and Dubois fight is super interesting. So, yeah. Um, also, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn being up there is like, is a real crazy thing. Because here, these two, it's like, it's super infamous. Like these two guys despise each other. They won't do business going back to Eddie Hearn's dad. So, um, 
they have like IFL TV interviews and it, it obviously boxing's probably a bit bigger than MMA over here. So it kind of infiltrates into popular culture as much. So that, that was a huge moment here. Um, but yeah, now that these Saudis are effectively like running combat sports, almost feels like they're just going to clean up with boxing and just make all the fights there. But also heading back to the link with MMA with the class action lawsuit coming up and stuff. Do you feel like these guys could seeing as combat sports is effectively run like a wild west um, and the structure of MMA is going to completely change if this lawsuit happens. Do you feel like these guys are just going to, I don't know, they could, they could effectively run all of combat sports after this lawsuit. But yeah, that's all I've got. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Like, look, I'm sure some of the, bo- I'm, I'm sure the boxing event will do well. I'm sure it'll draw a lot of intrigue, but it's just so weird to see, Wilder and Joshua fighting on the same card, but not fighting each other. Like, what are we doing here? That's like if they had John Jones fight Stipe, but then had Francis and Ganu fight Anti Delijah on the same card. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's it's that's that's what that is. So I get where Toke's coming from. Yes, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn being on the same promotion and on the same stage and, and sharing the build of the car. That is probably the most interesting thing about this, if, if we're being honest. But we'll see how it plays out. It's just kind of like a you're just waving this shiny toy in front of us, but no one can get it. We have to split the toy in half. Like nobody wants to do that. So I, I think people will be – like true boxing fans will be into it. And that's really it. I just don't know. I just don't know. The timing of it isn't great with it being two days before Christmas. It's just weird in a lot of respects. As far as the suit goes, I mean, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. But this could be the biggest story in the history of the sport when it's all said and done. It seems like the appeals of the UFC and Zufa and all that aren't really working. Uh, There's all sorts of things going on i know the the plaintiffs if you will have basically put out that they're going to market the shit out of this that, that this lawsuit is going on and that it is moving forward and they're going to let everybody know about it and i'm super curious to see how the zufa side slash the ufc side reacts to all this now just knowing what i know about sports and these types of situations i would be stunned if the UFC doesn't try to settle and I'm sure they will. And the plaintiff side might look at the number that the UFC would settle with and say, wow, that's a lot of money. But if they settle, then nothing will change. If that makes sense, the UFC and Zufa and all of them will lose a bunch of money, but no change will be made. So, it's going to be real interesting once you roll into 2024 if the plaintiff side will accept an offer or if there is just no number high enough for them not to move forward. Because if they want to invoke actual change with this lawsuit, they got to go the full way. They have to go the full way. And we're going to see some things that MMA fans are not going to like. They're going to see the darker side of the sport, the darker side that I've seen, that AK has seen. The stuff that we don't really talk about, but we know is there. You're going to see a lot of that stuff. And it's going to be super interesting. But 
if this is if this is about invoking actual change and not just about getting paid, then that's where things are going to be real interesting. If they go the whole way with this, then we can possibly invoke change. But I don't know. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be the story of 2024, I think, because I don't think this is going to get settled because what's the point of this? If your whole message is we want the sport to change, you can't change it by settling. You have to go the full way with it. So it's going to be super, super fascinating to see how it plays out. I don't know what the aftermath of it's going to be. The current UFC structure is just printing money. They make so much money. It's not even funny. So, yeah, will it be a blip? Sure. Will it cripple the UFC forever? Probably not. And just think, it's kind of like some of the NFL, the past NFL lawsuits. It's not like the UFC, if the if the fighters go through and they win, and it's a floppity jillion dollars, it's not like the UFC has to write a check then and there for a floppity jillion dollars. Like They could drag this payment out forever if they want to. They could drag it out over like 30 years more than likely. That's what the NFL did with some of the past players that sued them. The payouts are just going to go forever. Just going to continuously go at a small amount. So it's going to be a fascinating time, my friends. It's going to be a fascinating time. It's going to be, could be the biggest story in the history of the sport. It really could be. Uh, holding hands, throwing fists. Go ahead. Uh, what's up, AK? Hope everything's g- going well with you guys. Um, Thank you. So I had a good morning this morning. I had two and a half hours of jiu-jitsu, and I'm having my Duncan right now. So my question to you on Free For All Fridays is, if you were forced to give up either CrossFit or Dunkin' Donuts, which one would it be? Oh, my God, dude. Oh, man. Probably Duncan, but God, that's that would hurt my soul. I mean, I would just figure out a way to like get my iced coffee in. I mean, can I buy can I buy Duncan coffee at the grocery store? Or do I have to like give that up altogether? I gotta say, I haven't I don't hate like McDonald's iced coffee. I don't like eat McDonald's very often, maybe a couple of times a year. But I do party with the iced coffee. So, I mean, look, I drink outside of like fall. Like I'm that dude who will have like a pumpkin everything when it's time. I won't go crazy with it. Like I'll have a pumpkin iced coffee like once or twice. But mostly it's just like black iced coffee. But it's just, I don't know. It's the Duncan thing. It reminds me of being still in Massachusetts. So, but I can't stop the CrossFit right now. I'm like too into it. And if I lost that, like I, I don't know. So I probably have to give up the Duncan, and that hurts me. That's a crazy-ass question right there. How dare you? No, I appreciate it, though. I am actually drinking a Duncan as we speak. Eric, go ahead. Hey, Mike. I give a morning. So I saw, I saw Leon and Jamal Hill's comments about moving up, and I can't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure every single male champion has now spoken or at least attempted to move up. And kind of along those lines, I want to get your thoughts on what do you think is most likely in the near future? We see one of the new champs rattle off five, six title defenses, or we finally see someone get triple champ status. Thanks, Mike. Can I just tell you that I hate all of this? I hate it. I hate this so much. Like, why are we doing this right now? 
Why? Because Alex Pereira was is too big for middleweight, and he moved up to two hundred five. Like that dude is a giant. The fact that he cut to one eighty five to begin with is just it's ridiculous. So because Alex won a second belt, not everybody wants to do it. Like it's so dumb. Like it's so no, I don't care. Is there any clamoring at all for Leon Edwards to fight for the middleweight title? Is there any clamoring at all for Jamal Hill to fight for the heavyweight title? No. Zero. Not one person has mentioned this. Except them. Out of nowhere. And shame on the interviewers. I'm just, I mean, I'm not really serious about this, but you, why does everybody have to ask about moving up in weight classes? Can't, can't we all just stay where we're at? Can't we all just stay where we're at? It is so much more interesting to me to see Jamal Hill fight Alex Pereira. If he wins the light heavyweight title, I want to see Jamal Hill fight. Like, it, I want to see him fight Ankalaev and Johnny Walker and Rakic and Bohovic and all of these guys. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see, no one has cleaned out their divisions. Nobody has. Not one champion has cleaned out their division. Not one. So why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? There's no clamoring for it at all. Ah, oh, it drives me insane. I thought we were past all of this after Islam bolted Volkanovsky. All right, now we're back to some normalcy. Leon has not, Leon's defended his title against one guy and it was the guy he beat. Shavkat's coming. All these guys are coming. Ian Gary's coming. All of these guys are coming. And for Jamal Hill, he's got like seven dudes to beat before he can start talking about moving up. And I want to see Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira. If you if you're like Mike, you, you got to see five fights in 2024. Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira is one of those five fights. I have to see it. I have to see it because I have to know if Jamal Hill is is really good at fighting. I think he's good at fighting, but is he really really good? Is he the guy who beat Glover, or is he the guy who lost to Paul Craig? I don't know. I don't know. I saw so much in that Glover that I want to see more, and then he gets hurt. And if he beats Pereira, I want to see what this guy could do as champ. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see him go and fight Tom Aspinall. I have no interest in that. None. Absolutely none. Oh, all this two-division champ shit. It just drives me crazy. It's like not even interesting anymore. Like Pereira is just crazy because he did it so quickly. And it's not like... I mean, he's just not a middleweight anymore. He at least left the division forever. He's not fighting at middleweight again. He's done there. So the only way I want to see, like if Leon Edwards says, hey, I'm, I will fight Strickland or DDP, but I am vacating the welterweight title to do so. I am now a middleweight. I'm not a welterweight anymore. Then fine. Go do it. I don't care. But the days I am so tired of holding up these divisions, stop with the bullshit. If you want to go fight for the middleweight title, fan-fucking-tastic. But vacate the welterweight title and let these guys fight for it. And let's not slow down these divisions. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let's go to Joe. Going to keep you fired up. Heck of a morning to you. Uh, 
I don't think this too. was that I'm at work and I go back and forth uh, with the volume, but uh, I actually think AP could be the first three division champion. He's he's the got the size. Um, I know Tom looked great. I'm not trying to come out the gate and say AP could beat Tom or dog Tom out. I'm just saying by size, by skill, by how quickly he's ran, he's run to the top. AP, in my opinion, has the potential to be the first three division champion. And for me, I agree. I'm tired of the champ champ shit, but if someone could pull it off in the third division, I would be excited to see that. Just, just keeping you fired up, Mike. No. And look, I'm not even mad at Pereira for this. And if he decides to do that, like, great, but just vacate the other belt and go do it. And look, prayer is in a spot where he can do it. He doesn't, we're not going to have Alex Pereira in this sport for much longer. He's 36. He's going to be 37 in July. What do we have? Like two, maybe three more years of him tops. So if he goes out and beats, I don't, I, cause I don't know who he's going to fight next. He's probably not fighting Jamal Hill next. He's probably going to fight somebody else, whether they do the Israel fight or they do like if Johnny Walker beats Ankaliyev, maybe they do that. I would not shock me to see them do an Anthony Smith fight just to keep him busy. And then if he beats Jamal Hill, then he's still got other like he's still got other guys to fight. So win a couple of defenses, and if he's like, all right, look, I got I only got like two fights left in me. I'll go and do the heavyweight thing, but you guys can have this title, then fine. Fine. But not everybody can do this. Not everybody is Alex Pereira right now. And it would be interesting to see him take a shot at it, but just do it the right way. If he just goes and beats Izzy and he's like, nah, I'm done. I'm not fighting Jamal Hill. Then I'm just like, eh, I don't really want to see it. Now, I, I would comfortably pick Tom Aspinall to beat Alex Pereira right now. Uh, no disrespect. Tom's just way bigger and just his skill set is just going to be a really tough thing for Alex to deal with overall. Not saying Alex couldn't win, but I would be very confident picking Tom Aspinall to win that fight. But who the hell knows? Alex Pereira has done ridiculous things. And yeah, you're probably right. If there's one guy who can go up and win a third title, it's probably him. Because I'm trying to think of like who could do it now. And it's probably not anybody. The only one I think could... Maybe Zhang Weili could do it. I think Zhang Weili could do it. Like, if she wants to go to 25 and, like... Like, her and Alexa Grasso would be super fun. And she could probably beat Alexa Grasso on her, like, best night. But then, like, if she just said, all right, I'm going to take six months and bulk up even more and go to 135, like, she's a little shorter. But, like, if Raquel Pennington wins the Bantamweight title, would you pick Raquel Pennington to beat Zhang Wei Li? I don't know. Be interesting. But I don't really see anybody else out there that could do it right now. And I honestly hope we don't get to see it because <laughs> I don't want to see this. I want to see people just continuously defend their titles. I want to see if someone, I want to see if there is a current rostered UFC fighter right now who can run 10 title defenses. That's what I want to see. 
right now in their respective division. I know John has a lot of title defenses, but and John ain't gonna fight ten more times. Like I know that. But I wanna see I wanna see if Vulcan get to ten. I wanna see if Sean O'Malley can get to ten. I wanna see if Pantosian gets to ten. I wanna see if any of these fighters can get to ten. Because I don't know if anybody can. In this day and age with the evolution of the sport, I don't know if anybody can. And that to me is way more impressive than somebody just going up and fighting for a second belt right now. It just is. It's way more impressive to me. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, VB MMA, go ahead. Hi, man. Thanks for letting me speak. Um, I was thinking, you know, the same thing. I just don't like this champ champ still. I mean, Connor did it a few years ago. I think it was cool for the first time that DC did it, but now it's getting out of hand, you know. Uh, one one championship thing I want to do uh, is Islam versus Liam, personally. If Islam fights Oliveira and beats Oliveira, I think Islam could, could be a good option, you know, because he already beat Arman, who I think is going to be the next contender at 55. I mean, he, he beat Arman. Um, I think he probably should fight Gaethje maybe after that, but... You know, after Oliveira, I wouldn't mind seeing Islam versus Leon Edwards, you know. Uh, and also a question for Bellator, like, wh- what you think about um, this Bellator and PFL thing? You think it's a good for the sport or you think it's, it's probably going to damage sports? Because in my opinion, more promotions we have is better, you know. Um, TBD on that? I don't know. I don't know. I just honestly, I just, I, I do not have a lot of faith in PFL right now. I really don't. Like, I would love to have faith in them. I just don't have faith in them. They have not shown me enough where I'm like, yeah, let's go. 
They signed Francis, and Francis had a competitive fight with Tyson Fury. Like, and that had nothing to do with PFL. What Francis did against Tyson had nothing to do with PFL. Nothing. Outside of them just saying, like, yeah, go box. And PFL gets to somewhat reap the benefits from that. But that's the best thing they've done all year was allow Francis to go box Tyson Fury. Like, that's the most success they've had this year. And if they absorb Bellator, like, that's great. They get the roster. And to me, getting the roster is worth it. But how many of those guys are, like, big stars? Like, how many of those fighters can be a superstar? I don't know. Maybe AJ McKee, if you actually market him correctly. I just don't know if they have like a ton of stars. They need, like, it's good to have good fighters. And if they do like some sort of like Bellator versus PFL season or something like that in 2024, like Bellator is going to rinse PFL. They are going to rinse PFL. It will not even be competitive. There will probably not be one PFL fighter in in the playoffs or in the finals. It's going to be all Bellator fighters because their roster is just infinitely times better than PFLs. And it's one thing to build a roster, but you need stars. And I don't know if Bellator has any stars. MVP, but he's kind of like a free agent anyways. McKee. They have like excellent fighters, but I just don't know if they have stars. And that's the thing. PFL can get all the good fighters they want, but they have to build somebody into a star. Someone has to take the baton and run with it. And I just don't know if there's anybody currently on the Bellator roster that can do that. So this is going to be super interesting to me. And how are they going to move forward? Like, you can't do Bellator versus PFL more than once. And even then, like, is it just, like, season format? Or you do, like, one big event? And if you do one big event, like, who's going to buy it? Who is going to buy it? I don't know. So there, I have so many questions about all of this. Like, is Johnny Eblen going to go through a season? Why would he do that? He could just leave and go to the UFC or go somewhere else. Like, which one of these fighters would be like, yeah, I want to do that? Do they have to do that? Can they enter free agency? Like, I have so many questions about all of this. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. And how are they going to pay all these guys? I don't know. I honestly have no clue. I have no clue how this is going to work. And the whole the Islam thing, look, again, Islam has plenty of guys to fight. Because even his road to the belt, while it's not his fault, Bobby Green was his, probably his best win. Dan Hooker was probably his best win. He didn't fight like any of the top guys to get there. And again, not his fault because he was booked against some big names and the fights fell apart. So he just fought the dudes that he had to fight. But he fights Oliver again. He's got Gaethje. He's never fought Poirier, which I don't know if Poirier gets there. If Dariush beats Sarukian, I still want to see that fight. There's Gamrot, who is the backup. Fazeev's coming. Sarukian's coming. Benoit Santanee is coming. Like he, this dude has his next like four years of fights locked and loaded. So again, if he wants to challenge himself at 170, go right ahead. But drop the lightweight belt.
just say, look, I've done everything I want. I have one more thing I want to do. I want to win a second belt. Here you guys go. This is the best division in the sport. I'm not going to hold it up. I'm vacating the belt. Then I'm fine with it. I get no issue with it. But if he's sitting there representing the lightweight division in a two-division title fight, champion versus champion, I have no interest in it. Absolutely none. None whatsoever. He's got... He's got a million guys to fight. There will never be a shortage of challengers at lightweight. It's the best division in the sport. And there's plenty of guys coming. Big names, up-and-coming names. He's got lots of guys to fight. So, but if he wants to do it, fine. Go right ahead. But just don't be the lightweight champion anymore. And then I'm in. Uh, Tom, go ahead. Kimos Maximos. Couple of comments, my little heckler, and then a question at the end, Mike. Uh, first and foremost, um, uh, on the Leon and uh, Aspinall appraisals, there quite harsh on the Brits, there, Mikey boy. Quite harsh on the Brits. Hey, Mike, leave those Brits alone. We're doing fine. But you are right. What Leon was touching on, and your frustration, and I get it too. I fully believed sustained dominance is better than one-off double champ champ fights when you're catching someone at the right weight at the right time. It's more of a, of a in the England, we call like a more of an FA Cup win rather than a sustained league win. So I do think that sustained dominance in a division, particularly these days, Mike, when all divisions are incredibly stacked. You mentioned Zhang Wei Li there one of my favorite fighters in all um, uh, martial arts, in, in, in all divisions. Yes, I can see me coming with, with her in terms of a triple champ because it's a natural progression of her style, her body weight uh, and age. I think she does have the kind of body mechanics to make the leap up naturally, step by step, um, division by division. But yeah, sustained dominance is what we're all about. You touched on me and that's what, what I want to get back to and the reason why you were um, um, a little bit frustrated before. Let's not forget the fight that he's talking about taking on the winner of Sean Strickland and Dricus Duplessis. My question to you, Mike Heck, is this. Very, very two uh, anomalous fighters in terms of style. With that fight, Mike Heck, do we have the potential to see one of the most visually unique artistic fights of all time? Or... Do we have the chance of seeing two drunk men fighting at a barbecue? Where in that spectrum, Mike, do you think this fight can go in terms of visual aesthetics? Uh, I mean, the fancy answer is somewhere in the middle, but I actually think we're leaning more towards the backyard barbecue. That fight is going to be absolutely nuts. It's going to be insane. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Because by all metrics, Jerkis Duplessis is the better fighter. But Sean Strickland is not your typical MMA fighter. <laughs> He's just, the dude doesn't stop. You can't slow him down. You can't put him away, unless you're Alex Pereira. The dude just keeps coming. And I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know what the more interesting thing is. Because the winners, if DDP wins, it's going to be super interesting from the Izzy perspective. Because now Izzy has to chase him. But if Strickland wins, 
Sean Strickland versus Hamza Chimaev is a really interesting fight now. But I do think it's going to be more... It's going to be more like Glover Yeary than Sarukian Gamrot, if that makes sense. It'll be less technical, but super fun. And I, I'm here for it. I'm so here for that fight. I can't fucking wait for that one. And again, the, the whole thing, the last thing I'll say about the two division thing, because I'm sure somebody's going to say something else about it just to keep me fired up, and that's fine. Um, I just don't feel like there's a lot of risk in doing it at this point. Because if you lose, you're just like, eh, no big. I'll just go back down and defend my title. Like, at least put some risk on it. That's why I want, like, these guys to vacate. Like, if you're going to take this risk, then take the risk. Go all in on it. Then, like, I respect it a little bit more at this point. Like, when Connor did it, it just, like, the timing was perfect for it. It was, like, the perfect storm of things happened. And it made sense. When Daniel Cormier did it, like, coming out of UFC 220 in Boston, when DC just ran Vulcan Ozdemir and Stipe beat Francis Ngannou, like, everyone just kind of knew, like, the only path that really made sense for either guy that's actually interesting at this point, especially with Kane not active as a heavyweight, was to put these two guys together. Like, that made sense. But just on a whim being like, yeah, you know what would be cool? I'm just going to go up and try to fight for the second belt. Like, that's great. But there's just no risk to it anymore. I don't know. Like, I'm not opposed to anybody going up a weight and trying to do great things under two circumstances. One, there's no other way to go. Like, it, the timing of the first volkanovsky makachev fight was actually perfect. Like, it was perfect timing. Because at, the mo at that moment, Volk had nobody to fight. They did the interim title fight to kind of, like, declare, like, all right, we're going to get a number one guy. Makachev didn't really have anybody to fight at the moment that like was a top-notch contender. So like from a timing perspective, that one made sense. But I didn't – the fight ended up playing out great. But outside of just like perfect timing, like it doesn't work. It's not interesting. It just isn't. I don't know. I'm more impressed by multiple defenses. Go ahead, Black Belt. Black Belt. Black Belt. Three, two, one. All right. Didn't go through. Uh, let's go to Cole. Okay, Cole. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. All right, I got to ask you about the biggest sports story in the last 24 hours. They're not sports, but I'm not talking about Snoop Dogg giving up the smoke or anything, but uh, Clarissa Shields, or not Clarissa, uh, Clarissa Thompson, my bad. <laughs> Have you seen that clip of her um, saying that she's made up some sideline reports during the games? Um, yeah, just what's your take on that? I think people my opinion are overreacting. I don't really think that that's the exact same thing as journalism, really. I don't know. I think it's more of a 
an indictment on like the broadcast. Like, why is the broadcast throwing it to her when she doesn't have anything to say? But yeah, what do you think about the Clarissa Thompson? I mean, it's kind of tough for me to say because like I've not been in her position, but at least like I don't know. Like my first thought was if there's nothing there, like it's honestly more interesting to me if you throw it to a sideline reporter and they say, as opposed to saying, yeah, I was. I spoke to Bill Belichick and he was, said, you know, stay the course, run fast, put forth your best effort, and we need to convert on third down. Like you just kind of throw that out there, which is typical stuff. And you would watch that as a football fan and be like, yeah, okay. But to me, it's more interesting to be like, yeah, try to talk to Bill Belichick. He was pissed and he just blew me off. He was so angry about how the Patriots played in the first half. He had nothing to say to me. The look in his eyes said it all the man wasn't happy back to you jim like that to me is like way more fascinating than just uh the the cheesy generic stuff now i am also not a sideline reporter and something tells me she is not the only one to do this but one of the comments i kept seeing uh when other reporters were like oh she should be fired or this is unacceptable and all that was like yeah, you should probably like watch the interview and kind of understand where she's coming from. Because I bet, I guess the context from the interview is like, I used to do this and this is why. And she had said it before in other interviews. So it's not like it's, it's not like she broke news there. It's something she had said in the past. And she was just like, yeah, I'll just say it here again. Like, I used to do this. And it was just like, with it, it I don't know. I understand why people are upset about it. But I also understand why some people are like, go watch the interview and like actually get the context of it. Would I do that? Probably not. But again, I'm not in her shoes, so I'm not going to judge her on that. And like I said before, I'd be stunned if she's the only one that has ever done it that is currently on a broadcast. So, yeah, that was like the story of the day yesterday on social media. Uh, J-Mac, go ahead. J-Mac, where are you at? Jump on out and try again. YVMZ. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, heck of a morning. Uh, just had a quick question for you. Um, did you, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch the Shakur Stevenson fight yesterday, but it was absolutely terrible. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And, um, that's all I had for today. Thank you. No, I did not. I totally forgot it was happening. I actually thought it was today and not yesterday. Uh, but based on everything I saw on social media, boy, am I glad I didn't for multiple reasons. One, it took forever for the fight to start. And then two, it was one of the worst fights ever from what I understand. I, I saw the CompuBox stats that only like 33 power punches were landed in the entire fight. Like, that's stinky. Imagine, like, staying up on a Thursday night on the East Coast waiting for Shakur Stevenson to fight, and then that's what you get. I'm so glad I, I didn't know it was yesterday because I probably would have watched it. And I'm so glad I didn't based on everything that I saw. So I guess there's uh, something to be said for lack of promotion because you saved me a whole bunch of time. Uh, Isaac, go ahead. Isaac, 
not going through. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, let's try Matt. Matt, go ahead. One with the champ champ. I do feel like, uh, kind of like you said, that they have something to fall back on. Um, I think that that's one of the big incentives because I feel like a lot of times, even when they're champion, if they aren't um, defending it multiple times, they aren't really making money and there's a lot more incentive for them to like come back and still make the same amount that they would be if they're defending a belt. Then the second thing, Aljamain Sterling was talking about fighting Calvin Cater at featherweight and then also kind of hinted at fighting Max. Who would you prefer that he fights um, during that debut? And I don't want any Boston bias on this. It's, it's Max. I've been saying it since on to the next one after UFC 292. AK can attest to this. On the live show after UFC 292, I said Aljamain Sterling should be going all in on Max Holloway. There is no other fight that makes any sense for Aljamain Sterling to take at 145 than Max Holloway. Now, if Max is just like, nah, I'm not interested, then, you, you know, fall back on a Cater fight. Like, that's a fun fight. Like, that's a, that's a good challenge for Aljo because Cater can wrestle. Cater's a big physical featherweight, and he can crack. So that would actually be a fun fight to watch. If it's not Holloway, I actually like that fight as like a good in- entry point into the division. But it just took him three months to realize, yeah, maybe I should go fight this Max Holloway guy. Max is unequivocally the only option for him for multiple reasons, because the UFC is not going to do him any favors. They throw him in there with Cater. Do you think if, they, if he beat Cater that they're just going to give him a title shot? Fuck no. They're going to make him do it again. They're going to make him fight somebody else. Then maybe fight Max after that in order to get a title shot. And if somehow Ilya Taporia becomes a new champion, I think that road becomes even longer for Aljamain Sterling. So Aljo is 1,000% doing this the right way. He should. Max Holloway is absolutely the fight. If he wants to fight for the belt, you got to beat Max. And I think that's a fight that would be a big fight. Easy fight night headliner on the road. Easy fight night main event at the Apex. Easy co-main event for a pay-per-view. 
There's no other fight that makes sense for Matt for Aljamain Sterling at 145. Why would he go up there and fight and just go up each divisional rung as the former champion? And by the way, speaking of this champ champ crap, the only way Aljamain Sterling will ever, ever, ever share the octagon with Sean O'Malley in a competitive stance and ever fight Sean O'Malley again is if he becomes the featherweight champion of the world. And Sean's like, yeah, I want to go and try to win a second belt. Otherwise, Aljo ain't getting Aljo ain't getting the title shot at 135. He's not getting it. He's not. Go for Max. Go get it. You might lose the fight, but at least you took a shot at it. And at least you tried to at least you left Bantamweight. You gave it up. You're a featherweight now. You're going after the, the top dog. That's not the champion right now. That's that's the fight. That's the fight. Cater would be interesting. I'd watch the hell out of it, but it's that's not the one for him. The best business decision for him right now is to fight Max Holloway. So it took you long enough, but at least he did it. And I hope they make that fight for him. J-Mac, go ahead. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I got okay, you. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, in um, in the respect of uh, Bellator this weekend, I'd like to do a little fantasy uh, matching matchmaking. Um, I think that uh, Bellator is going to fold after this, this uh, upcoming uh, weekend, and I would like you to uh, come up with five um, UFC fighters that you would like to see matched up with five Bellator fighters on this card. Like, really good matchups, and I'll let you answer that. Uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Just from this card, uh, let's see. Let's pull it up real quick. Uh, I mean, I would like to see MSOF versus Leon Edwards. That'd be a good one. Um... God, Patchy Mix is so good. I don't know if I want to see him fight O'Malley, though, because I don't think that fight's all that interesting. Hmm. AJ McKee versus Raphael Faziv. I like that one. Wouldn't happen anytime soon, but I like that. Patchy Mix against Piotr Jan. Like, that'd be, like, a good entry point fight for him. I'd like to see that. Uh, I'd like to see Alexander Shabli versus Islam Makachev at some point. That'd be a super good fight. I think Shabli is, like, is criminally underrated. And let's see. Do we have anything? Anybody? Let me see what else we got here. Uh, How about... I do think the UFC is going to see something in Samiko Inaba. And I think they should see something in her. How about we do Samiko Inaba versus... I was going to say Natty Ice, but I can't do that. Joanne Wood. Let's do that. Good little entry point fight for Samiko Inaba. Let's go that route. 
I mean, there's other ways we can go. Um, if we go like through the whole Bellator roster, there's like more intriguing fights right there. But dude, AJ McKee versus Rafael Fazeev would be fucking madness. Amasov versus Leon Edwards would be a super interesting fight. Patchy Mix against any bantamweight would be an interesting fight. Shabli is a player in the UFC's lightweight division right now. And I think Anab is a, is a fighter that the UFC would take a shot on. Honestly, I think they would. I think she's got something that the UFC can market and and they could build her into some kind of a star. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how these organizations look at these fighters uh, once this PFL thing if it goes through, if it goes through at this point. CV, go ahead. Yo, Mike. Happy heck of a morning. Happy Friday. Um, just a couple of quick things for me um, since it's free for all Friday. Um, first off, um, 295 last week was a, like a blazing fast uh, main card. Um, all first round finishes for all the five fights. So that got me thinking like um, regardless if you're doing a watch party or not or you're just watching the event uh, with some family and friends like what would be like the ideal length of a main card because like as much as I like first round finishes, I was thinking I was thinking I like I would like the first three fights to have like a quick finish. Um, maybe the co-main event to have a quick finish as well, but like ideally I want the night to end off with the main event being like a, a five round war. Um, just cause like, I feel like last week's card was amazing, but I kind of felt like we kind of got short by the main event. And, um, second thing, um, what do you think about, um, I was listening to, um, Bill Simmons podcast earlier. Um, uh, he was saying about how, like how Netflix would like, it's like the, Obviously, it's the number one streaming giant right now. Um, do you think the next big move for the UFC is to like partner up with Netflix just to get their rights? Um, I don't know. Like streaming is kind of like like the norm nowadays, and um, Fight Pass is kind of garbage, if you ask me. Like, um, like I actually like bought it a couple of times, tried it for a month, but then I got tired of it just because like how horrible like the user interface is. But um, just your thoughts on that. Thanks. I would be stunned if they do that. I mean, they got, they do have their own streaming service, which is, I, I still like Fight Pass because I like watching some of the regional shows on there. Um, but I mean, they, they have ESPN Plus, like a lot of their libraries on ESPN Plus. They got a lot of different things on there as well. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think Netflix is the spot for them. I think they would honestly. I don't know. Maybe they. Dane has been teasing like this relaunch of Fight, fight Pass. It's going to be the greatest thing of all time. It's not. Um, I don't really love their new programming. It's basically just shows you can get on YouTube that you can just watch on Fight Pass. Like, I'm not going to watch Dean Thomas and the Pink Soup Dude on UFC Fight Pass. No disrespect. It's just not something I'm going to go to Fight Pass for. I go to Fight Pass to watch either old fights or like regional cards like Anakin Florian, I think is on fight pass. If memory serves me correctly, like I'm not going to go to fight pass to watch Anakin Florian. I'll just go on YouTube and watch Anakin Florian or I'll listen to it in my car. Just like Brennan Fitzgerald show. Same thing. I'm not going to fight pass to watch those shows, but I will just watch them on the umpteen thousand other ways you could watch it. Like that's not what I watch fight pass for. So 
No, I think the UFC will kind of keep their own. Um, you know, ESPN Plus, who knows? It'll be interesting to see, like, where their new TV deal is. Like, do they stay with ESPN? Do they go a different route? I'm not really sure. Maybe Netflix wants to get into, like, the live sports world and host UFC. But then, like, how are they going to distribute pay-per-views? I just think there's a lot to it. Do they convert to, like, the WWE model? where their TV rights deal is just so massive that they could just basically give the pay-per-views away. I don't know. Like WWE on Peacock, like you pay what's five bucks a month and you can get all the, all the pro wrestling pay-per-views like for free, just basically as part of the package. Like, I don't think the UFC will ever do that, but this new TV rights deal is, is going to be interesting. When it actually goes through. But I don't think they're going to end up on Netflix. Uh, we'll take uh, Abzwaya and Four Corner Sports. And then we're going to get out of here. Yeah, uh, heck of a morning, Mark. Um, firstly, I just want to briefly touch on that uh, double champ discussion you were talking about earlier. Um, you know, one thing I really wish fighters did do was, as you said, have multiple tile defenses. seems that that seems to be a very lost art. And I kind of also think many fighters think they can just be like uh, Conor McGregor, Israel Adesanya. You know, there's a lot of revisionist history in the MMA world where they forget with Adesanya's case, um, he didn't have any contenders about the time and he obliterated the Shira Costa, which earned him a chance to get a title shot against Jan Blachowicz, who just became the champion. And plus, you know, Kananir fumbled his chance of being the number one contender losing to Rob and you know another thing is to touch on the double champ thing I I think a big reason why in my opinion I'm seeing a lot of fighters do this is possibly because they realize the status and the money that can come with it like it it builds their brand to a whole other level and they I think they have this shift possibly on a in terms of greatness level that it might make their case for being a goat much more stronger which in my opinion is not not a um definitely not true because the whole double champ thing in my opinion has lost its char- charm and touch like i genuinely think it'd be much more impressive to seeing a fighter at least have five title defenses let's say like if they were featherweight then they move up to lightweight or bantamweight and have at least three to seven title defenses they like that is fucking impressive and especially if your level of competition was some of the best fighters of that time or even all-time greats i really Hope we get to see that one day. They um, and there is one fighter. At least I believe he could have done this. If you're, I'm talking potential, why that's Hamza Chimak because Hamza, if if you remember correctly, Mike, when he first came onto the UFC scene, you know he was blowing the sport up like with his incredible performances and whatnot. And you know if you remember, all the fans were saying, "Oh, his potential is if he can beat the Shera Colby, he can beat the Shera Burns." and you know, obviously Usman, when he was still the champion, well, this guy's definitely got the chance to be a double champ. So, so he's he's the only fighter, in my opinion, that I've actually been interested to see become a double champ just because of the potential matchups he could have, you know, in both the welterweight middleweight division. Um, the only other person I've been interested in seeing a super fight was Aljamain Sterling if he had beat Sean O'Malley and got to fight Volkanovski because I genuinely believe he had earned that position to do so. I mean, you know, he beat some of the best bantamweights and, you know, overall made a mark for himself in that division. Yeah. Well, that's all I have. Have a great day. 
look, here's the thing. I don't think the double champ status really improves anything at this point. It really doesn't. It's just a thing now because it's not like the first or the second or even the third anymore. And I will say this. One, if, if you're just not going to vacate the belt, if you're not going to say like, hey, I'm just going to move up and do it, I think it would be super cool uh, and super interesting if contractually the UFC says, fine, you can go do this, but if you lose, you, you're stripped of the belt. Like, you lose the title. So it's actually like your title is, even though the winner of this fight, like let's just say Leon goes up to 185 and fights Sean Strickland. Like, Sean Strickland doesn't become the welterweight champion if you if Sean wins, but you're not the welterweight champion anymore. You're done. That's interesting to me. I'll play that game. That raises the stakes. Otherwise, there shouldn't be a lot of house money up. There shouldn't be a lot of fights where I'm like, yeah, he's playing with house money right now. Because that's what a lot of these t- like double champ fights are for the ones moving up in weight. They're house money fights because they lose. They're just like, eh, who gives a fuck? I just moved down and defend my featherweight title. And then Volk just got the chance to move back up again. And he got he got rinsed by Makachev. But now he gets to go back down and fight Ilya Tapori. Now, that might not be like a great consolation prize because Tapori is a fucking monster. But still, like, there's no risk really from, from the opposite end. Yeah, you know, maybe your legacy gets stung a little bit, but not a lot because Volk took the fight on 12 days notice. So there's always like that lingering thing, but that's my caveat. If you want to move up a division and fight for a second belt, like if Jamal Hill wins the light heavyweight title and says, I ain't fighting anybody unless it's Tom Aspinall, great. But if you lose to Tom Aspinall, you lose the light heavyweight title. End of discussion. That's it. And you don't get to fight for it again. Just not not right away. The next two guys fight, you win another fight, then maybe Maybe you get another title shot, but you have to be able to risk something in order to do this. You have to. And being like, well, he took a shot and came up short is not enough for me to make that to make those ideas interesting. It just isn't. We've just seen it too many, too many times. Get full course. All right, Mike. So a couple things. One, I know that the Shanghai card is now officially off. Uh, it's no longer in Shanghai it's for Vegas. Are they changing the time slots? Because I remember that the prelims were going to be at 4 a.m. and the, the main card was at 7 a.m. Did you hear anything of a, of a time change slot? Um, and then I got another two more things. Um, I've been hearing rumblings as for the, the UFC going back to Mexico in February. I don't know if those are accurate or not. And lastly, uh, I know Michael Morales is fighting in the co-main event against Jake Matthews. Um, where do you see his ceiling going? I know he's undefeated. I know that Jake Matthews, he looked good against Andre Fialo, and I know a lot of people are expecting that Morales to run through uh, Matthews, but how do you see the fight, um, you know, going about, and how do you see, you know, Morales' uh, future going with a win on Saturday? Uh, Morales is a good prospect. I like him. This is a good step up. I think he probably runs over Jake Matthews. And... On and words and upwards. The Mexico thing, I've not heard. Um, I mean, if they're doing the sphere in September for Mexican Independence Day, I feel like they're going to basically put all their resources into that. Now, do they go to Mexico at some point? Maybe. 
Um, I've heard nothing about that, but who the hell knows at this point. Uh, and then as far as the Vegas, the Shanghai to Vegas, I have no idea. I have no idea. From what I understand, like, this is obviously going to be like the road to the UFC finals and all that stuff. And I don't think that's happening anymore. Uh, they may shift everything over there, but it just seems like an awful lot for those fighters to just be like, hey, we're supposed to fight in China, but now we have to go to Vegas to do it on like less than a month's notice. Just seems like a lot to get done. So, yeah, I have no idea how it's going to work. I do know that the Song Yidong Chris Gutierrez main event is going to remain the main event. That I do know. And I think like some of the other fights that were on there are going to remain, but I'm not so sure about like the road to UFC finals or anything like that or, or the start time to this point. Uh, all right, four on sniper, take us home. Maybe. Perhaps. Wheel of Doom. All right, it's not going through. All right, Joe, you get the last word. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm not going to stir it back up. I just wanted to point out, because you've been on the champ champ this whole time, um, Daniel Cormier and Conor McGregor were not real champ champs. They were not two-division champs. Conor McGregor was stripped uh, the, as soon as his fight started at 155, and Daniel Cormier relinquished that title the day before 232. was I think it was 232 he became the double champ. So the the UFC did have that policy. That was the, the things that you're saying about how they were supposed to give it up and you got to put it all on the line. That was the policy until the UFC created a paper division for Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes knocked her out and there was no reason to strip her of the 145 pound title. So it was that way. And I 100% agree with you. And again, I'm just stoking your flames a little bit today because you've been on some rants. But that is how it was. And that is how it should be. So Connor was stripped of the featherweight title two weeks after he won the lightweight title. I'm reading it right now. Uh, Connor's reign as the first man to hold UFC titles in two different weight classes simultaneously lasted all of 14 days. McGregor's fight company bosses trumpeted his historic accomplishment to the masses after he defeated Eddie Alvarez by second round TKO to add the lightweight title to the featherweight belt he had since late 2015. Two weeks later, the UFC unceremoniously stripped the 28-year-old Irishman of the 145-pound title, announcing the move on Fox Sports 1 during a low-profile fight night event broadcasting from Melbourne, Australia. So Connor was an actual two-division champion. And I believe, uh, let me see here, do, do, do. landscapers are outside, so. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, let me, let me look up the DC thing just for context. Hang on one second. Yeah, he relinquished the belt before John Jones fought Alexander Gustafson at UFC 232, which was uh, da, 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 232, Stipe, 226. 
so that was after. So DC was was a two division champion as well. DC didn't relinquish the belt till uh, right before UFC two thirty two. So but he was the two division champ for about four months. So there you go. Uh, all right, four on sniper. Go ahead, real quick. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, just real quick, I wanted to know if you had any bets on the card this weekend. I'm looking to make some last-second plays, so if you have some bets, let me know what they are. If not, what are some good lines? That's all. Uh, I have no bets. Zero bets. All bets are barred this week. Uh, I will not bet again until 296. Let's see if there's anything that looks good. Um, it's kind of like just a tough one to call, honestly. Like this seems like a very proppy betting card, honestly. It's not a lot of value anywhere. Yeah, this will be kind of like a proppy, proppy prop card. Like Peyton Talbot by Knockout, I'm sure is like, would be an interesting one. Where is he at? Uh, Peyton Talbot by Knockout is... Plus 100. That's not a bad one. He's like a minus 750 favorite in the fight. So that's not a bad one. Amanda Hebus by decision is always fun. Minus 105. Um, and then there's, there's just there's gonna be a lot of finishes on this card, I think. Like the main event going, you know, just find some like juiced up prop lines and go that route. But all right. The landscapers are literally just like sitting outside my house, so it's a little loud. Uh, so that's perfect time for me to get on out of here. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll have a preview show at 1 p.m. Eastern uh, to get you ready for Vegas 82 on the YouTube channel. So join us for that. Uh, we'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show for Vegas 82, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Early start time, 2 p.m. Eastern for Vegas 82, which I love. AK and I back on Sunday for on to the next one. And that's it, everybody. So get excited. And thank you all for listening and joining the show. And back here on Tuesday, we'll do it all again. But until then, have a great rest of your Friday. And have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.